if you've got your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn uh, with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. I realize lots of you turned your phones off because Steve asked you to. That means it might be difficult for you to turn to a Bible passage, switch your phone on if you need a phone, uh, need your phone for that purpose. Uh, and we're going to look at a little passage there in, in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. But you know, I have recently um, become a grandparent. And uh, this little bundle of humanity called Judah has come into my and my wife's life. And uh, we are besotted with Judah. Uh, Judah comes around our house. He lives relatively close to, to, to us. And uh, we have bonded around home security. You know the corner of rooms where you can have movement-sensitive boxes and the lights flash? Well, Judah and I regularly have to go around the whole house inspecting home security. When the light flashes, he loves it. But Judah coming into my life has caused me to reflect some more on how Judah is going to find faith in the 21st century setting, how his faith is going to be sustained And indeed, what kind of world is Judah going to grow up in in the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years? I've been asked to speak, and this is part of a series. It's a series about being evangelical. I always, Steve, I always think it's a little bit risky bringing a guest speaker in uh, as part of a series. There's always a danger that I could have con- contradict something uh, that's gone before. Uh, but there's always the chance that you can come up afterwards when I've gone away and put things right. But uh, I'm, I've been asked to speak around this, this series. And, and the series this I've been asked to speak on, we believe as evangelicals in engaging with society. We believe in engaging in society. Let me just say how encouraged I was um, by the various prophetic words um, that were coming earlier in the, in the meeting. And I tell you why, what particularly encouraged me was, I felt God challenged me as I was reflecting on this morning around a particular theme. And I'm, I'm going to tell you now where we're going to end up, okay? So... By the time, when you hear this coming, you know it's near the end, okay? So there is end coming. Uh, I, I sense God challenged me, and it was actually around the, a passage in John's Gospel, in John chapter 20. Just hours before Jesus is going to the cross, he's with his, no, after he's been at the cross, sorry, and he's risen from the dead, he's with his disciples, and he says this to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then we discover what happens next. He breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I am convinced this room is full of people that are called by God and sent by God 
into some amazing places of influence, of opportunity. Diverse places that he's called us to. And I sense this morning that what God is wanting to do is to, uh, for us to acknowledge our sentness and to receive power as we go into the places that he sent us to. So that's where we're going. Okay? So we're going to come back to that at the end of our time. Let's go, let's go to this scripture in, in, uh, in Matthew's gospel, shall we? Jesus is a, we know this passage is the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to start reading verse 11. Jesus says these words, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you people, sorry, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt of the earth. Light of the world. Hey, this is who we are. This is us. Now, let's just reflect for a little while, shall we, on the kind of world that we are being sent into. The kind of world that God is asking us to be salt and to be light. Of course, we, we all have our particular world, our small world, whether it's the world of our employment, our education, the neighborhood, the, the world of a place that we spend our leisure time, whether it's the world of our family and our friends. Just, just take a moment. Just reflect on your world. What does your world look like? Who's in your world? What's your world like? How salty are you in your world? How light, how much light is there in your world because of your influence? Of course, our small worlds are profoundly affected by the big world which surrounds us. We're living here in the UK in the early years of the 21st century. And I, I, I guess as we look around, there's, there's all kinds of words that we could use to describe it. One of the words that I use is uncertainty. Hey, this week... 
the word of the week, maybe the word of the last months, maybe the word of the last two, three years is that word Brexit. We're living with the uncertainty of Brexit, but there's more uncertainty in UK 21st century. What about the impact of austerity on some of our poorest communities? Free market capitalism hasn't delivered what it promised. Wealth was supposed to flow down to the poor, but it hasn't. It seems as if wealth has actually flowed up. So the gap between the rich and the poor has got greater and greater. And of course, we live here in the UK under the threat of terrorism. The government's indicators are, of course, that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. My own personal reflection is that we've had far less terrorism than we could have had because Christians have been praying. And I say, let's keep praying. But we live with that. And we could go on, we could talk about prison populations, we could talk about the epidemic of mental health issues, and indeed our whole NHS system. We could talk about looking to the future and the impact of robotics and what it's going to do in terms of our employment. And of course, the UK is part of a global community. And the uncertainty in the UK grows even bigger when we begin to talk about climate change and the impact of climate change. When we look at the impact of mass migration on a scale that has never been seen before. 60 million displaced people, half of whom are displaced outside of their their nation. And of course, we look across the face of the world and we see so much conflict. And of course, for the Christian community... There's another challenge that we face, and a big challenge. It's the challenge of the prevailing narrative, the, the, the air that we breathe, the, the, the sea that we swim in, the story that is told to us, whether it's through Hollywood, whether it's through the TV, whether it's through our educational institutions, other the ones that we've been praying for. Thank God for Christian schools. But there's a prevailing story, a prevailing narrative that that Judah will be exposed to, that our children are exposed to, that we are exposed to. And the prevailing narrative, we could call it secularism. Secularism has a presupposition. The presupposition is there is no God. That's the story. That's the narrative. There is no God. And all this is just the result of an enormous cosmic accident. And the narrative of of that presupposition takes one to a whole set of isms, whether it's individualism, whether it's consumerism, whether it's humanism, whether it's nihilism. You can have known it. There's a whole set of isms that come from that presupposition. Now, we have another presupposition, don't we? we? Our presupposition is there is a God. Is this a church that believes there's a God? Well, that's, that's kind of a relief. <laughs> there is a God. This isn't an accident. This is a result of the Creator God. And the Creator God hasn't abandoned His creation. 
despite the, 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 the tragedy of the fall, when man turned his back on God. We believe in God has continued his purposes, the rescue plan for creation, for humanity. Is God outworking himself in his creation and towards an end, not a set of isms, but a new heaven and a new earth. That's where God's going to. And of course, those two worldviews clash, don't they? They meet and we live where those two worlds cross. That's the public square. That's where you do your work. That's where education takes, takes place. That's the engagement, the narrative that we are having to struggle and, and challenged by. And of course, for us as a, for, as a Christian community, this country has been profoundly impacted by the Christian faith. But increasingly, we are on the wrong side of social orthodoxy. Increasingly, we're having to learn how to live with hostility to some of the biblical truths that we hold dear. And we're having to learn to live in that place. Now, let's not call it persecution, please. That does disservice to where persecution is really happening. But the church is facing pressure. Increasingly, we are facing pressure. So, this is the world, 21st century world. This is the world that Judah is growing up into that our children, our young people, that we are living in. So let's ask the question, what's our response? We view all this as our backdrop. What's our response in our small worlds? Now, historically, as a church, I guess, let's put it like this way, at our worst, we've gone to one of the two extremes. We've either gone for separation from the nasty world and we've separated off into nice little communities and pietism is probably the language that would be used to describe it. We've lived in our little bubbles separate from the nasty world going about our business of being church, worshipping, doing our meetings being family together, but keeping separate from the world. Alternatively, we've not gone for separation, we've gone for submerging. We've submerged ourselves in the world to the point where it has been difficult to tell the difference between the world and the church. We've become so culturally relevant that actually there's no difference whatsoever. Now, of course, the example of Jesus and his teaching won't let us get away with either of those two extremes. He wants us in the world, but not of the world. The world is our vocation. We are called to the world. That great prayer of Jesus, I mentioned it earlier in John chapter 17. Jesus, just hours before he goes to the cross, he's praying for his disciples. And one of the key themes in the prayer is the theme of the world. He, has, he is sending them into the world. In fact, 16 times in the prayer. When you get home, just have a look through it. 
It's there throughout the prayer. John chapter 17. It's the world. It's the world. It's the world. 16 times he's talking about the world. This world is our mission. Well, actually, I say it's our mission. It's really, it's God's mission that we're included in on. This is family business. This is, this is the big story that we get to play our part in. This is salvation history, which we are part of. God hasn't given up on the world. Now, of course, our relationship with the world is complex. Jesus, in that prayer, he prays for them. They are not to be of the world. Jesus is leaving them in the world. They will be hated by the world, he says, but they will love the world. And they will be protected by the power of his name in the world. Wow. So, with all that as a backdrop, what's our response? Well, I want to suggest our response is going back to the Sermon on the Mount. Going back to our call to be salt and to be light. See, in our small worlds, we're called to be that. We're, we're called to be salt and we're called to be light. This is our vocation. This is what we're called to. This is how we engage. This is how we make a difference. This is how change happens. I guess we know, don't we, that in the ancient world, salt had a very critical role. They didn't have the refrigerators and the freezers. They had salt. And so the salt was there to preserve. It stopped things going bad. Our role in the world involves preserving things. I want you actually to imagine what the world would be like if it weren't for the church. I want you to suggest it would be an awful lot worse than it is. Because the church, despite our limitations, despite our struggles, we are preserving things. We are called to be salt in our world. We don't behave like everyone else. We live a different way. We don't go with the prevailing story. We have another story. The followers of Jesus follow Jesus' example. We refuse to bow down to the idols of this age. Great reading at the beginning, Steve. We refuse to buy down to those idols. The idols of money, <coughs> of possessions, of status, of power, of technology. You name it, there's a whole load of idols out there, but we refuse to bow down to those idols. Because we worship another way, another one. And we're called to be light. We're called to shine bright in a dark world. Not simply showing up evil, but enabling people who are lost to find another way. This light that Jesus speaks about isn't hidden. It isn't put away under, hidden under a bushel. It's put on a stand. It's a beacon. What is it a beacon of? That prophetic words, prophetic words. It's a beacon of hope. 
we are, we are called to be light as beacons of hope in an uncertain world. We reveal God and we reveal his ways. So as salt, we're beavering away, infiltrating all areas of society for good, for God. As light, we are, we're on a lampstand, speaking up, declaring truth. We're called to be, prim- some of us are called to be primarily salt in the context of the small worlds that we are. Oh, some of us are called to be primarily light. But each of us at times will have to be both light and salt in the context where we are. So what does this look like? What does it look like in the UK today? Let me say this. It's very easy with the level of uncertainty there is for us to take on fear. I always say this is not a time for us to be fearful. This is a time for us to be brave, to be courageous. I'm convinced we're, we're living in a time of extraordinary opportunities. Yeah, yeah, there is opposition. Yeah, there is difficulty. Yes, there is pressure. We acknowledge that. There's opposition, but there's opportunities. This is a time for us as a Christian church to take the opportunities. See, with with the opposition, with the stuff that's going on around us, with the uncertainty, there's an openness. There's an openness to spiritual things. See, despite the prevailing narrative, people are open to spiritual things. People are wanting to talk about things which are beyond the stuff of life. People are becoming Christians. I think, actually, I am hearing stories of people becoming Christians more today than I can remember for decades. Let me just give you an example. In Peterborough, uh, last weekend, a, a, a group of guys uh, did, did a school's mission around a whole load of schools in the Peterborough area. And they asked people to come along to two, two events on a Friday night and a Saturday night. On the Friday night, there was 900 turned up. On the Saturday night, 800. And at the end of the weekend, over 1,500 young people had made a first-time response to Jesus. People are coming Christians today. About three or four weeks ago, I went to a church in London. It's called SPAC Nation. And the only way I can describe it is it's church, but not as I've known it. And I walked into this, this auditorium, and it was bit smaller than this, probably a thousand people crammed into there, and, and uh, probably 98% of them were black, about, uh, about 90% were under 30, and probably over 50% were under 20. Here were people that had come, many of them out of gun culture, selling, uh, sorry, uh, drug culture, often involved in gun and knife crime. 
Many of them out of prisons and a whole load of them were telling their stories about what had happened in those kind of settings. And it was extraordinary stories of God meeting them in places of need. And here they were, worshipping God with an energy and a passion which was incredible. And at the end of the time, an appeal was made and 65 were out of the front wanting to give their lives to Christ. See, God's at work in our country in the midst of opposition, in the midst of uncertainty. People are coming to Christ. And it's so many different ways. Thank God for Alpha. Thank God for Christianity Explored. Thank God for all the different initiatives that are happening. People are open. We did a piece of research just about three or four years ago called the Talking Jesus Research. If you haven't read it, just Google Talking Jesus. Some fascinating insights. People are open to talk about faith. And in fact, we discovered those who know a Christian like us. And they want to talk about our faith. And actually, we also found that Christians are talking about their faith to non-Christians far more than we thought. In the last week, 33% of the practicing Christians who were surveyed had had an intentional conversation with someone who wasn't a Christian about Jesus. That's good, isn't it? We're talking about Jesus and people are open to talk about Jesus. This is a time of opportunity for us as a church. The light is shining. And we're also seeing some wonderful saltiness in the church. Now, evangelicals have got a rich heritage of saltiness. You name it, we've been involved in it. We're almost where everyone looks across our history, whether it's the legal system, whether it's the health service, whether it's the abolition of slavery, whether it's education for the poor, whether it's prison reform, whether it's factory reform. It was Christians and it was in the main evangelical Christians that were doing it, that were being salty. It's our heritage. It's Guys, it's what we do. It's what we do. And so I'm, I, I get to travel around the country and I, I see what the church is doing today. And I want you to know, I am proud of the church. I, you know, I, when people start slagging off the church, I get, de- I get hurt because it's not my church. It's not their church. It's Jesus' church, isn't it? And I'm proud of what the church is doing across the United Kingdom. And you name it, whether it's food banks or night shelters or debt counselling or street pastors, employment schemes, working with children and young people, working with the elderly, prison work, drug users, those who are involved, working with those who have drugs, those involved in education, you name it. It's the church that's doing it. A survey just a few years ago discovered the church was contributing in England over three billion pounds worth of investment into our society through our voluntary work. It's the church. It's us that are doing that, these things. And I want to say this to you. All that is just the tip of the iceberg. See, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians who week in and week out go into their places of employment or into their communities and they are working there, not simply to pay the mortgage at the end of the week or the end of the month 
or to keep pay off their bills. No, they are going to their places because they sense that God's called them there to make a difference. Whether it's in the realm of teaching or social work or medics, whether it's business or design or infrastructure or creatives or builders or tradespeople, you name it. Christians who are going into those places because God's called them there. And they're going to be salt. And they're going to be light. See, God's called us to make a difference for him in the places that he's called us to. He's called us to be salt and he's called us to be light. You know, I, I, I flicked through the, 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 uh, your website, uh, Steve, in preparing for today. I love the vision of this church. I love the vision statement. Part of it is this, growing communities that bring heaven on earth. You all knew that, didn't you? I mean, I didn't need to tell you it, did I? No, no, no. I mean, you could give me the whole lot, couldn't you? I won't ask Steve to give me it, but okay. But I love that. That's what you're saying you exist for. Communities that are committed to bringing heaven on earth. That's the prayer of Jesus, isn't it? What does he pray? He prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. That's what we're called to do. As we go into our places of work and employment, as we run our social schemes, as we're endeavoring to be salt and light in the communities he's called us to, we are bringing heaven to earth. That's what he's called us. I hope you're convinced that we as evangelicals, we engage in society because we follow the example of Jesus and we follow the teaching of Jesus. We're agents for change, where God's called us. Do you believe that? Good. Now, do you remember where I started? Because I'm going to come back to that now. Where did I start? Well, I started with that passage in John. And it links so much with this, doesn't this theme, doesn't it? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If we're honest, it is very easy for us it is very easy for me to lose my saltiness. It is very easy for me to put my light under a bushel. I regularly need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be who God's called me to be in the places He has sent me to be. This room is full of people that God is sending, has sent into all kinds of extraordinary places where you can be an influence for God, an influence for good, an influence for change. 
And there's something about us recognizing that we are sent. You are the sent ones. So when you wake up in a, on the morning, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I'd love it if your first thought could be, today I am sent. And as you get to your front door and you open the door and you walk out of the house, I go sent, sent by the Father, sent to the places he wants me to be, to the people he wants me to be with, being salt in those places, being light in those places, being him in those places. And towards that end, I think it'd be good for us to pray. And I would love you to pray for me, and I'd love to pray for you. And I'm going to kind of pray it together. That as Jesus prayed for his disciples, he might give the Holy Spirit to us in fresh measure. That we might be filled with his Spirit. That he might breathe on us. And that in our sentness, he might enable us to be all that he's called us to be, as salt and light in the places he sends us into our worlds. Are you up for that? Would you stand with me if you're able? And maybe just as, a, just as an indicator, sometimes I, I find it, personally find it helpful just to use my body as a, as a, as a symbol if you're able, put your, why don't you put your hands out to receive? And let it be that our hearts are following our hands. Let it be that we are saying to the Father, breathe on us. Let it be that we are saying to the Father in fresh measure, we're available to you. Let us receive that word sent this morning. The sent ones. And so, Father, we invite you this morning in this place of our vulnerability in this place of our need, would you breathe on us? Holy Spirit, would you come to us? Father, send the Spirit, we pray. Fill us afresh. Cause us to know a deep, deep revelation of our sentness. And as we Consider our world, Lord, we pray, our worlds, Lord. We're asking you that today, in fresh measure, we might find faith for the worlds that you've called us to. Just remind us of those prophetic words that came to us earlier. Those words which spoke of God's purposes will be fulfilled. Spoke of God's timing. Who spoke of 
He who promised is faithful. God says, I have, I have put you here. And because you are put here, you are not insignificant. You are significant. And so we embrace your word to us this morning. We receive it to ourselves. We say, let it be to us as your word speaks. We receive it. Be unto us according to your word, Lord. Fill us afresh, we ask. For Monday morning, for this coming week, Lord, for this coming year, we are the sent ones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.